Well, God bless everyone for midday. It's great to have the people teaching our children. Won't you take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to go to them just a minute. First Timothy one fifteen, if you would please. First Timothy one fifteen. I hope you feel the presence of the Lord today as you got up. I'm convinced, I know we're going to have problems and trials, but Christians are not supposed to be a yo-yo up and down. Out of your belly shall come what? If you read the book of Ezekiel, it's coming from the throne of glory. It's where that river's coming, coming into our lives constantly. It's not just running some, it should run all the time. I enjoyed the class this morning. We have an adversary. I don't know whether you know it or not. But he's wicked, he's ungodly, but thank God has given us victory over that, victory over it in Jesus' name. I'm glad that Peggy's able to be here today. Amen. She's been having a very tough time. Amen. But she's a very tough girl. Amen. I think one of the doctors told her something about like that. But anyhow, we'll just move on. <laughs> All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. We're going to title this, Saving the chiefest of all sinners. That's what God has come to do, to seek and to save. You know, a person cannot be too bad that he can't save. I wonder sometime why God allowed Paul to carry on like he did and how he did the church. We're going to talk about that here. Satan's worst nightmare came when Jesus is on the cross. 4,000 years it took to get Jesus on the cross. And he met him at Calvary. The earth rocked. I don't mean literally with the force of the battle. You find that in Matthew 27 and 51. And the very sun grew dark as the war rages. You find that in verse 45. The dead got up and come out of the ground. They had cast lots for Jesus' garment. They said, if you be the Christ, you save others. Come down from the cross and we will believe. But when all that began to happen, they cried out, surely this must have been the Son of God. So God has come, sent his Son into this world to save us. In accessory prayer, I was had this message for some time, and I was um, amazed when I read the gospel horn about intercessory. I want you to know, if you hadn't realized it yet, you're in a warfare. Some people's hoping we'll get out of it. I've been in it since 1960, and I ain't got out of it yet. And you say, well, that's not very encouraging. The early church is so different from the church today. They counted all joy when there's in divers temptation. Because they knew when they come out of that what was going to be. Listen, we got to go through some things 
to get it out of us. And God has to do that to get it out of us. And he loves us. He loves it. We can't realize how much God loves us. I'm telling you, his love is far beyond ever thinking. Jesus ever liveth to make intercessory prayer. There's a warfare going on in intercessory prayer. How many know that Jesus is praying for you every day? 24 hours a day, he's praying for you. The only praying he's praying for you for that your faith don't fail. He's not praying any other thing, but your faith don't fail. He told Peter, says, I'm the devil wants to sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you that your faith don't fail. The reason the devil wants to attack our faith so much because he knows if he can hinder our faith, we're not going to get anything from God. But Jesus knoweth that we have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. We can get whatever we ask from God. So he's ever praying for us. At that moment, Satan knew that his worst nightmare had to come. You find this is in Psalms 2 and 4. You know, God laughs at the devil. He actually just sits back. You find that in Psalms 2 and 4. He laughs at the devil. I mean, you know, if we create an image and likeness of God, what should we learn to do? You ought to laugh. Brother Ken didn't know that this morning, I don't think, but he was talking about laughing. Well, we, laughter is like what? Medicine to your soul. Laughter followed by the voice of the Son of God, and he cried. John 19, 30, Jesus cried with a loud voice. It is finished. Everybody ought to say with me, it is finished. Please don't think Jesus was talking about death when he spoke those words. He was talking about victory. He's talking about, I've won the race. I've came. I finished my Father's will. You know, one of the greatest things we're going to have when we're in the end of our lives, when we can say, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. There's a crown laid up for me in heaven. Oh, Lord, we overcome things. So there was such a powerful statement made here. It also means that debt is paid in full. How I many of you ever been to some places sometimes, Sister Pan, and they say they stamp that on there? The debt is paid in full. Jesus, that's why he shouted, the debt is paid in full. And then it also, it means it is finished, new creation's coming. How many of you are a new creature in Christ? You've been born again from above because of what Jesus did on the cross. His greatest work was not healing the blind and all those things, but his greatest work was at the cross. At the cross where he beats the enemy, and he gave us the power to do also. It is finished. There's a new creature coming forth. There's a new generation coming forth. Now, we're going to mention this to some today. It does not mean youth. It means a newborn life coming out of the old man. That's what it means. New, new life coming out of the old man. How many are glad that you have a new life that came out of the old man and the old man is dead, amen? Hallelujah. I know I mentioned this before, but you want to hear it again. When Brother Melvin got the Holy Ghost and when I got the Holy Ghost, you know what the, the people around here said about us, especially him, they told me about him, said it won't last long. He'll be right back out there. But I want you to know he's still here. I want you to know I'm still here. I want you to know you're still here. 
because what Jesus had on the cross, the power of God in his life, he gave to us that we can overcome anything in this world. It's not us, but it's him that's in us that doing the work, the wonderful things of God. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 4, when the chief shepherd shall come, or when the chief shepherd shall appear, the only chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. There is no other shepherd but Jesus Christ. He's the chief of all things. He said he shall save his people to the uttermost. That means save you completely, exceedingly, delivering you from all the powers of the darkness of hell. You are a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away because of what Jesus did on the cross. You ought to say amen. I tell you, the cross means so much to us. The chief cornerstone, the highest extreme you find in Psalm 100 and verse 3. It is he that makes us and not ourselves. We are what we are today, not because anything we have done, because what he did at Calvary. And the power that delivered him from Calvary and from the grave lives inside of us. And there's a new creature come out of the grave of sin because what he did at Calvary for us. Angels are rejoicing. How many know angels rejoice? There's over one sinner coming to them. Let me, let me back up on that. That's not exactly what it says. In the presence of angels, there's over one rejoicing over one sinner coming to God. And I said, in the presence of angels. It didn't say the angels rejoicing. Can't you see Jesus rejoicing the day you got born again that God brought you out of the darkness of hell and give you new life? And Jesus shouted, said, thank God, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the victory that I won for those people in your life. We have what we have today because of what he did for us. And not what he did, but what he's still doing today. What he's doing today. We rejoice at what he did do, but I'm rejoicing what he's doing today. I'm rejoicing the great life that he's given us today. That we can live a life like it's never been lived before today in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. It is what he have made us and not we made ourselves. It's what he's doing inside of us. Acts 9 and 20, well, 1 Timothy 1 and 15, I want to read this. Paul said, I am the chiefest of all sinners. If God could save the chiefest of all sinners, how many believe he can save you to the other most completely? He made havoc of the church. He destroyed the church. He had letters in his pockets on the road to Damascus to take men, women, and children out of their homes and put them in prison. Also, history says they poured wax on them and burned them like a candle. It also said they fed them to the lions while they shouted and rejoiced in the bleachers. I don't know why God would allow that to go on, but God's ways are not our ways. They're so far from our ways we can't understand it. But one day, something happened. How many know the devil thought he had you one day? All of you that's been raised in the church, Peggy, ought to stand up and shout. 
I'm saying it, church. I, I, I'm saying that with all sincerity. If you have never walked in sin like some of us had, you really don't know what God has really done in our lives and cleansed us and set us free and delivered us from the powers of the darkness of hell. And that devil is constantly trying to torment us over these things. Thank God he freed you. Whom God sets free is free indeed. The truth will set you free and the truth will keep you free in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I want to stay hid. How many want to stay hid? God told Saul, said, when you were small in your own eyes, I could use you. That's when we got to be humble like Jesus did. Acts 9 and 21 says, It is not this that he destroyed the church. Paul was Saul. He destroyed the church, so to speak. He made havoc of it. Havoc means to make waste and destroy. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 8, as one born out of due season. That word born there means to beget. And it also means to impart a new spiritual life in where the old man used to be. Listen, when God begot us, he gave us a new spiritual life, a new joy, a new peace, new gladness, a new thanksgiving is what he's done for us. And Paul said, I was the chiefest of all of them. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 11, and nothing am I behind of any of the chiefest apostles. Now, I want you to notice what he took, the chiefest sinner in all the world, and he changed him that he'd become behind, and none of the chief apostles, the chief apostles he called was Peter, James, and John. He also called them the pillars of the church. But he said, I do not come behind any of them. I have the same equal power and authority they have. You ought to say amen. Come on, church. You ought to say amen. What Christ had, he gave to them. And what he gave to them, he gave to us. You find that in St. John 20. He said, as I was sent, so I do what? Come on. I send you. I believe there's a mighty revival just round the door. I believe that. And Acts, they said they came from around the world to see the apostles. And we are still alive today. I tell you, the church is alive. Ken mentioned something this morning in a book written in a guy in Zimbabwe. I believe he said in the last century or so, been 700 People filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but the devil's still in charge of this world. We've got to rise up and take our position. Glory to what God has given us. If the early church can turn their world upside down, can I have an amen? We can turn our world upside down, not because of who we are, because what's inside of us. The glory of the resurrection of cross, the glory of the blood of Jesus has cleansed us of all of our sin. If he can change the chief as a sinner, scholars say Paul was the, the greatest apostle that's ever lived. But who made him that way? Jesus Christ.
How many glad Jesus Christ is in your life? He's in your life. Hallelujah. Christ made us. We didn't make ourselves of the wonderful things of God. Paul became a new creature because what Christ had done in his life. He was changed. He was transformed. He was blessed abundantly. He said, I labor more abundantly than you all. Not I, but Christ in me. How many know this Christ in us that's doing the work? I had a dream last night. This church was full of people, young people. I'm telling you, they were just packed in here like sardines, young people. They were standing around the walls. They're standing around the back, young people from certain ages and everything. It's, I mean, it was everywhere in here. Just there's some of you sitting pushed pretty close together, but they're sitting closer than that. And I woke up, and Jesus spoke to me said, I am not showing you youth. I'm not showing you that. I'm showing you the new creatures that's come out of the darkness of hell. I'm showing you new life of men and women that have been bound by the powers of the darkness of hell. I'm showing you new creatures come because what I did on the cross when I shouted it is finished, new creatures will come out of the darkness of hell. How many of you are born again because of what he did at Calvary? We've been set free because of what he's done for us. Hallelujah, we may still be looking old, but I'm telling you there's a new man inside of us and new women inside of us. Went with Peggy to the doctor of the day, and you know, they won't let you in. So I stayed outside, and the car got so hot. I said, well, I'm going to go up and sit on that concrete bench and wait on her. And this black lady came out and sat down beside him, and she had arthritis. She said, I'm about froze to death. She said, my name is so-and-so. I said, well, my name is so-and-so. She said, I'm 74. said, how old are you? I said, I'm 84. In a few months, I'll be 85. She said, I have done figured out your birthday before you said it. You are 65. Huh? Oh, I tell you, she began to tell me about her family. And just every few words, how blessed I am, God. Tell me about her grandchildren. Said, oh, how blessed I am. I'm saying we had just a wonderful time talking about God. She said, my daughter's on the way to pick me up. Hallelujah. When we stood up, she stood up and I stood up. She said, my husband died a little while ago. Would you mind us just hugging and embracing one another? I want you to know that God is sending people in your life that have touched your life and blessed your life. Listen, we're not just in this thing by ourselves. Amen. I mentioned this in the Wednesday night. Rhonda, uh, Rhonda Milam and Sue, I believe it was last Sunday, Sunday before last, Sue just walked up to me and I felt the presence of the Lord and I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to break down and cry. I went out in the hall and went by the thermostat and Sister Rhonda Mullen come by and I wanted to break down and cry grand. It seemed like I just felt the presence of the Lord. As I talked to this lady, I could feel the presence of the Lord. And I was in the yard working the other day and God said, I'm trying to show you some things, but you just don't get what I'm trying to tell you. I felt the presence of the Lord. He said, I'm trying to show you that you're not the only only one that's anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. I've got 7,000 never bowed to lie, leg, or anything favor to God. And then 
I was reading in the office back there the other day and, and I was just reading the presence of the Lord come on me and I just began to break down and cry. I want you to know that we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and Christ has freed us from the powers of the darkness. Come on, church. It's time for us to allow the glory of God to flow through us and talk to us because God is sending people to encourage you and inspire you because you are part of the body of Christ. Let me say again, he said, I'm not showing you young men and women sitting on those pews. I'm showing you people that's coming out of darkness with a new creature, a new life, new hope, and new belief in God. Praise God. Come on, let's give him a good hand clap what he's doing, what he's doing, and what he's going to do tomorrow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Let me share something else here with you. His name is Augustine. He lived in about 400 A.D. He was a young man. He was wicked, ungodly. Worst of all, he influenced other young men to be wicked and ungodly. Turned to alcohol. My other things he, he done, but he had a mama named Monica. How many glad you got a praying mother? I tell you, if you got a praying mother, you ought to thank God. You ought to thank God for a praying mother that prayed for you. She prayed for him day and night. His daddy was ungodly. She did not bring his daddy for what he was, but she had this attitude, God is saving Augustine. Can I ask you people that's got children and grandchildren, start praying that God is saving them. Amen. God is not about to save them. God is saving them because he's alive and he's alive forevermore. He's doing what he said he was going to do and he's doing it every day. But time went on. Time, listen, God's delay is not God's refusal. Sometimes there's delay. But she kept praying. She kept praying. Some of you don't know Samuel Baker. Some of you do. He said, I refuse to allow any church to claim my soul. I refuse any church to claim that they got me in the church. He said, when I come home at night full of alcohol, I could hear my mother in another room praying, God save Samuel. Oh, Brother Ken talk about his grandmother praying. His grandmother, not the only one that prayed for Ken and Keith. They had a praying mother that wept and cried. I remember when our daddy got hurt and it was in Dallas with no money, wasn't nobody to help you with anything. I remember many times I'd hear my mama praying. One time it touched me so much at the back step. God, help me. Don't let me hurt my children. Save my children. Listen to because somebody's been praying somewhere. I want us to learn to pray for everybody. I don't care what they've done, what they're in. God's power of the cross is greater than anything. Hallelujah. Dr. James Dobson said the greatest thing you'll ever do for your children is to pray for them. It's proof everywhere that prayer moves the hand of God that does the work. Praying 
praying. Y'all want to know what happened to Augustine? He got born again. He wrote a national best-selling book, Confession, and also The City of God. I want you to be encouraged about your children and your grandchildren. God, it may look delayed, but God has not done yet what he plans to do in them. He let Apostle Paul, I don't understand why he did all of that, but he transformed him one day through the power of the cross and to the power of the Holy Ghost that come upon him. Oh, what a wonderful life we have today, church. We have problems and difficulties, but we have a wonderful life, a wonderful, glorious God. Jesus said, the debt has been paid. Jesus told Ananias, it's the only time we ever hear his name is Acts 9. We never hear of him anymore. He said, Ananias, I want you to go down to the street called Straight. Saul is on his way. He's going to be baptized, and I'm going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. I'm just paraphrasing that. Ananias said, I've heard of him, and I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid to go down there. Notice what Jesus said, but he's a praying. I, <laughs> I tell you, you can get somebody a praying. Things are going to change. It may look that they're not going to change, but I'm going to tell you they have no power against the cross of the resurrection. They're changed. 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 Praise God. Glory to God. You know, Mary Magdalene, she couldn't quit crying. She couldn't quit kissing Jesus' feet. She was hysterical. She was just overwhelmed. She had seven demons cast out of her. I wonder if we had seven demons cast out of us, how would we be reacting? You know who the first one to the tomb? Somebody shout out who was the first one to the tomb. Mary. It wasn't Peter, James, and John. It was Mary. Who did Jesus first reveal his resurrection to? It wasn't Peter, James, and John. Who was it? Mary. And he tells Mary... Go tell Peter, I've got up. Peter had denied him three times. It doesn't long matter how long people deny Christ. It doesn't matter. Christ's love is so strong. It's stronger than sin. It's stronger than anything. He just keeps right on loving. He keeps right on loving until he went. I mean, you know, God's going to have his way. He's going to have his way in your children's life. It may not look like it. Not, this age may not look like it, but they don't know it yet, but they're on the way to Calvary. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the Calvary of the cross where the blood of Jesus can cleanse them from all their sins. We sing, oh, what a happy day that will be. We ought to sing, oh, what a happy day this is today. What Christ has done for us. How I many of you know the angels would love to get the Holy Ghost? Oh, they, they look in on this. How I many you know the prophets of old looked in on this, but they couldn't get it? You're blessed beyond measures to be able to know who Jesus Christ is and what he's done and what he's doing for us today. Every day of our lives, he's a blessing us. He's a blessing us. 
Let's talk about the doubters a few minutes. Thomas is called the doubter, right? Let me read you something here that he said in John 11 and 6. Thomas says, let us go also that we may die with him. He loved Jesus so much that he wanted to die for with him. He actually wanted to die with him. And that's why when they called him, to, he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the other ones. He was off grieving. He really didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why he wanted to die. He didn't believe in the resurrection. And he says, I won't believe that Jesus is alive. I, I don't believe he's alive. And they said, well, he is. He said, I won't believe it until I see the nail scars in his hand and in his side. There may be some doubters today. If Thomas would have stayed with the 12 at the resurrection, he would have been there to see Jesus the first time, but he went off to grieve. And I'm not preaching against grieving, but I am preaching against grieving too long. He grieved too long. How many have heard of Ben Carson, the world-famed neurosurgeon for children? John Hopkins Hospital. His mother was buried low, and they knew she was passing away. His son is named Charles Carson. He's elect, not electronic, but he's a hydraulical engineer that makes these wheels and things for the planes. They gathered around her bedside, and all of them plays instruments. They began to play instruments and singing, Glory to Jesus. They sang songs of glory and grace, and her mother was slipping out into eternity, and she sang with them. I tell you, church, God has a spirit of power that he can put in us that we do not know how great he really is in our lives. And Jesus said, well, go tell Thomas to come. How many know that Jesus wants to call all the doubters, all the unbelievers? He wants them to be able to touch what happened at Calvary. He wants them to be able to feel what happened at the cross. And once he touched Jesus' side and touched his hands, he said, my Lord and my God. I tell you, once you taste of the powers of the world to come and the glory of the cross and the glory of the resurrection, the blood of Jesus has made us white as snow, we're also going to say, my Lord and my God. What a redeemer we have. None like him in all the world. The wonderful things. That he did. How many that God has done something good for you today? Anybody believe that God done something good for you today? How many believe that God's going to do something good for you tomorrow? Amen. The wonderful things of God. It is clear that the Gospels was not meant to be a biography of Jesus. It never was intended for it to be a biography of Jesus. But it was intended for us to take him as Savior and Master and Lord of our heart and our soul and everything that's in us. He wants us to know him and have a life of him. It also, it means 
not to give information. He never intended for this book to be an information giver. He intended for this book to give life. You can have information and not have life. How many glad you got life? I'm talking about abundant life. Flowing rivers, just flowing in abundantly out of your life. I believe I've had a heart change in the last few weeks. I believe I've had a heart change in the last few months. I believe there's a rivers of things opening up that we've never seen and never experienced before. Out of your most inner being, I want you to go back to the book of Ezekiel and see where the river was. It was coming from the throne of glory. That's the river he's talking about. A God does not slumber nor sleep, but the rivers are flowing. And not only that, in St. John 3:34, he said he gives the Spirit without measure. It's God's intent for us to have a living Christ living in us, flowing like rivers, mighty rivers. Sister Sue told us about one place they went one time. I forgot what two rivers came together. And my, what a noise, what a roar that was. It didn't just say rivers. It said out of your most inner being be rivers. I believe that the Bible says that we are to have rivers flowing out of us constantly, consistently, at all time. God does not slumber nor does he sleep, but he's constantly breathing on us the wonderful blessings of God. I am blessed. I can't sing it, but maybe some of you can. How does that go? I am blessed. You going to help me? Okay, come on. Oh, come on. You, I know you've been sick and down, but now it's time for you to rise up. Amen. Hallelujah. Was you in Ken's Sunday school class this morning? He said, you're going to start saying it. Come on up here. You don't have to walk up here. I know you're too weak probably come up here, but I want you to take this mic and lead us. Praise God. New beginning. New hope. Oh, my. I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning or I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Brother Don is going to come. Our hearts should rejoice every day. There should be singing and rejoicing because what Jesus has done for us. Not what he has done, but what he is doing and what he's going to do tomorrow. 